welcome to Creative Block. We are host Jean. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Megan Dong. Hey! Hey! Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. You have done many amazing things, and you are now show running Centaur World and uh, also doing a voice and singing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got to wear a lot of hats all. on this, which is really fun. That's amazing. Uh, so for the viewers that don't know you, tell us who you are and what you do. Um, well, if you don't know me, I'm, um, I've worked in animation for, gosh, like over 10 years now. And um, oh, wow. I, I do comics. I, um, in animation, I've worked primarily in story, but I, I've kind of done a lot of stuff. Like I've done some stuff with design and animation. Like I started in... Um, like my first job was on Metalocalypse, so I started in adult, yeah, and then that's awesome. I went to uh, feature. So I was working at DreamWorks um, on storyboards uh, for like four, a little over four years, and um, and then I went to uh, Nickelodeon to work on Pinky Malinky. I was an episode director and then supervising director, and then now I'm uh, my own show at Netflix called Centaur World. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, you guys are drawing already. Um. <laughs> Yeah, we went right into it. Yes, let me. You guys, yeah, okay. No, you can keep talking. It's fine. Okay, and and um, yeah, and the show uh, is uh, like a comedy um, musical. You know, it's like action adventure uh, comedy. It's got all sorts of different um, different. It's a lot more, of things, There's a lot of things. It's very hard to describe. That's all. Always been like Hell the yeah. toughest thing uh, for me is like actually yeah. describing the show. But it's, uh, yeah, like it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, you just kind of have to see it and hopefully it'll make sense. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I was influenced by Muppets and by, you know, action shows like, like, you know, like Game of Thrones and other things. And there's a big arcing narrative and I'm really excited about it. But um, the biggest thing is that it, it is a musical and it's um, very much like, like all the songs are narrative. We have like three to five songs per episode. It's, it's really exciting. So, um, yeah. yeah, like it's, and I've got to work with like a cast and crew that's really amazing. So, so this is like really like, like a dream job and mm -hmm. yeah, so that's, that's kind of the more or less, you know, like that is so I cool. <laughs> I, I'm going to yeah. take it back all the way to when you were a kid now. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you kind of like, what was your relationship to art and drawing when you were growing up is was there like something that you were always kind of doing or is it some like when did you kind of like start drawing intensively um it was definitely something that I was always doing uh, my my mom's pretty artistic too so um mm. I, I got that like I got a lot of stuff from my, my mom's side of the family because there's you know she's really creative and and she she taught me how to draw too when I was when I was younger. Like she used to teach art lessons for like some of the neighborhood kids, and I was in her like drawing classes with her. But um, like some of my earliest memories were were definitely like like drawing in a magna doodle. Um, like I remember like pausing, you know, like having the VHS tapes of like the Little Mermaid and like pausing on frames and trying to figure out how to draw mm -hmm. like Ariel on model when I was like four. What's a what's a magna doodle? What's a magna doodle? <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, yeah. I, I'm dating for the Zoomers. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm uh, dating myself here. Uh, a magnitude is like <laughs> one of you know it's um 
it was like these drawing, these toy drawing board things that had like a magnetic pen. And so it was like a magnet oh, stick okay. and then it would have little I've shavings. Yeah. yeah. And then you could draw on it. And then there was like an eraser strip at the bottom where you could just like swipe it across the thing. And then it I would rem- kind yeah. of. Yeah. So before there was like, oh, this, it's so- like the, it's like the earliest Cintiq, right? <laughs> yes, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't know what it was called, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, that, so that's what a, a magnet doodle was. I'm feeling really old now, so yeah. No, I still see them. I I actually was just hanging out with a four year old. Uh, they're related to me. <laughs> they're related to me, just for clarification. It wasn't it wasn't a random four year old. Yeah, they're related to me. Yeah, she had she had that like she had something like that, and it, it, you just like smacked it to clear it. Oh, cool. And I was like, this is a violent. Yeah, yeah this is violent. Mine was not smackable. But, so. Yeah. <laughs> but the str- but that's cooler. Like it's, I remember those two. Yeah, where you would slide it across. Yeah, yeah. those are fun. So I yeah I would I would I was I was always drawing since I was a kid. Um, but so drawing and music was always big for me. Growing oh, so up. you were also playing music. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I, I learned piano and violin, like you know, like a lot of Asian kids did. But um, I also <laughs> loved, like, I loved musical theater too. Like, I, I, I loved um, musicals. Also, my mom was. Um, my mom was a was a DJ when she was like a radio DJ. When what she, the fuck? Yeah. Oh, like, okay. Not, when she was younger, like, um, like she grew up in Hong Kong, and um, and she was like. A popular radio DJ over there, like when she was Damn, like your in, mom's cool. She yeah, she was like a lot cooler than I am. Um, but uh, she so she <laughs> used to play like like she played like the American Top Forty like in the morning. She, she was always playing music around the house and all that. Like so so growing up, um, there was just like um, music, um, drawing, like all yeah, like I was just it was it was a very like creative environment. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, that so is so was, cool. What a great place to grow up. Yeah. And so, like, when you were so when you were kind of like thinking of like a possible career, um, were you kind of like, did you know you wanted to go into animation, or did you like, were you maybe thinking of like theater or like music also? Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to be a marine biologist as well. I, I honestly just think that seeing the Little Mermaid did a number in my brain when I was like, you know, like it just sort of yeah, like, really, oh yeah. yeah, it all comes back to that. Because it was like, okay, so music, uh, you know, like animation, marine biology. Like, I just think it just did something to my brain when I was like, when I saw it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, yeah, like, because I always was interested in in animals and biology and especially the ocean. Uh, so I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And and even for like, I felt like um, I had a pretty supportive environment too, generally speaking, but for my parents still like animation was really out there. Like I was still, mm. you know, like I still yeah. grew up in an area with like a lot of other, with other kids who were more, you know, focused on ac- academics. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like the idea of going into entertainment was still scary for my parents. So they were hoping like I would yeah. still study something more like quote unquote normal. Mm-hmm. And for yeah, so like for the the show, like the show Centaur World, it was a lot of it was kind of like influenced by that because for a period of time, like I just did sort of focus more on like, okay, school, like I gotta get good grades and you know like get into a good college and and do something like normal. Like I felt a lot mm-hmm. of pressure to do that, even though like I was always creatively inclined. Like my brother and I would do comics together, and and uh, like we actually used to draw comics like with original characters, and then we would like 
pitch them to each other. We would do the voices and stuff. Like it was always oh, that's great. making that's so each cool. other laugh. So so later when I found out like storyboarding existed, I was like blown away. I was like, okay, well, I have to do that because I'm, right. I'm familiar with this. Yeah. You're like, I've done this. Yeah, I've done this. And, uh, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like it was... Um, it was, uh, there was a period of time when I really felt a lot of pressure to like perform academically and sort of like, you know, like do what, what the other kids around me were doing. Mm. And so I was, you know, really focused on school. And then when I got into high school and when it was like, the pressure was on to kind of like get into, you know, get good grades and get into good college. Like I, um, I had all these like you know, honors classes lined up and then I was supposed to be in the orchestra and playing the violin and all that. And then, um, I couldn't like my schedule didn't work out. And then, um, there was like a last minute thing where it was like, okay, well, there's only one class left for you to take and it's show choir. So I ended up in a, like a, you know, like a glee situation. So it was like a show mm-hmm. choir with like, you know, and I loved music. I loved musicals, but I was not really comfortable like singing in front of people and performing and stuff. So I was like, out really, I felt really out of my element because I'm, I'm, an, you know, I'm introverted. Like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. still shy. And, um, and this like just felt like it was something way out of my comfort zone. So, so I ended up in this class, like as a kind of a shy, like a little bit more serious kid. And then, um, yeah, like I ended up loving it and, and I was in it for like the rest of high school. And like, I really like started getting into performing and, and, you know, focusing on more creative things. And I, I think it really, like, if I hadn't been in that class, I wouldn't have actually ended up in animation because I, I didn't, before I just sort of didn't, like, feel like that was, like, a like a legitimate path. Yeah. Oh, so you mean, like, uh, being in um, choir kind of helped you? Do you feel like, did, did it help you connect that it was an actual career? Or was it more that, like, oh, I can do this because I can perform kind of? It was sort of like, it was sort of like, it just it made me feel something that I didn't, you know, like where I felt like Mm. it made me feel like passionate about something and also made me feel like, okay, like, like the creative side of me is, is where I feel like the most alive, you know, like it Mm -hmm. made me, it's a little spark went off. Yes. Yeah. yeah, It's sort of like, it made me feel like, um, this, like I need to do something creative. Like it, it, uh, I also like it made me fall in love with really fall in love with like musical theater more and performing and all that. But mm-hmm. also it was just like, I need to do something creative. Oh, and, yeah. and because before I like, I was thinking maybe, maybe I should pursue something in the sciences. Maybe I should pursue something else. Like it didn't feel like I, I you know, like I was feeling more of that pressure and, um, yeah. and also like I was shy too. So it was like, maybe, yeah. maybe this is more for me. And, and, um, yeah, like, so so I didn't really consider doing something creative, like mm. as as anything other than a hobby. Right. Yeah. It's tough. A lot. Yeah. My dad is like had you know much more of like a like a white collar job. My my brother ended up. My brother is like he was also creative, but he's um, he's like a biomedical engineer, and all that. So like, mm. yeah. So I like <laughs> thought for a while like oh I should be like doing something you know more serious or something you know like. Yeah, so so I really wanted to tell a story later, you know, when I like when I was conceiving like pitches and like what kind of story would I like to tell? I wanted to tell a story about like a character that was serious or just ha- thought that there was one way to do things and, you know, wound up in like a really goofy place like that that and and you know yeah. like having it change the character because it because that whole experience did change me like in a pretty profound way. Sounds like it. Yeah. I love that. 
And so did you, did you end up going to college? Like, when did you kind of like make the switch to pursue the animation career? Did, did you already kind of enroll in the college that was more scientific or like in high school you were like, okay, no, I'm just, I'm going to actually attend to an art like college. Uh, I, uh, so I kind of did like something that was, I kind of split the the difference with in terms of um, like I went to just a like I went to a state school, but I went to a school that had both uh, like a pretty good like a, a theater program and like an animation program. I went to Cal State Fullerton. And so, um, yeah, like so where I had the options to kind of be flexible. Um, and then I ended up studying animation there, like studying entertainment arts. And I met a lot of people, you know, that I, I would later work with, which is really cool. Yeah. Experience with like the professional world, like kind of, did you do an internship, internship, or like kind of, how did you go from college to your first gig? Oh, um, yeah, I, I did, I did an internship, and then I ended up working where I did the internship. I, I worked at Titmouse, so, um, and it was it was actually tough because um, I graduated um, during the recession. So it was like 2008 yeah, and so there was like, it was pretty bleak, like in terms of the yeah. job market at the time. So, so it was tough. Like the first couple of years in terms of getting like stable, regular employment and mm -hmm. all that, like I was doing caricatures as well, like at, you know, downtown Disney and like just hustling and kind of doing caricature gigs at parties and, and all of that just to try to, you know, like, so it was like working part-time jobs in animation and then, you know, doing that um and it was yeah it was like a really different time like right now i feel like there's a lot to work on but back then there was there really wasn't like there weren't a lot of consistent jobs so it was it was a little tough um yeah uh and, and, and then i i was at so i was at titmouse for about two years and i remember um at a certain point after working like i learned so much there and i met a lot of great people and I was kind of doing like a flash generalist jobs, you know, like I was, sometimes I would be doing layout, sometimes I would be doing, helping out with design and other times I'd be like doing, you know, like mm -hmm. in-betweening and um, color and, and all of this. And um, I wanted to go back to, like I wanted to learn how to storyboard because I, I felt like I was going down one path, but I, I really wanted to tell stories and write and um, and also just to, to work on some stuff that was cinematic. Um, so I had to make the decision to um, to leave the job, and that was a tough one. I, I was working; I'd been working for two years, and you know, like living in a tiny apartment in LA, and I had to make the decision to like quit my job and move back home for like six months, just to focus. Because yeah. I was like, I really want to learn how to storyboard. I I haven't really done the work, you know, and and I I really want to try this. I knew that there were some like apprenticeship programs at some of the feature studios, like. Uh, Pixar and DreamWorks had had some um, and I knew that they were really competitive but I, I was like if I like set aside some time and just really focus on learning how to do this mm. I just want to see if I can if I can get in otherwise I'll, maybe I'll come back you know to wor working working on some of these other projects so I, I right. did that so I had to move back I moved back home I um, took some you know like I took a storyboarding class with Rad Seacrest over at um I think he was, mm -hmm. he was teaching at in Concept Design Academy in Pasadena at the time. And um, yeah, I learned a lot. So I, I was able, I basically built a portfolio. I took the class, I, I built a portfolio, and then I, I submitted um, to DreamWorks and then tested and got in. And that was like, that's how I, I, that's when I really feel like 
I was like heading down like more of like the career path that I wanted. So I was, um, I was at DreamWorks for like four or five years. So I worked on some, I worked on a few features and then, and then after that I like switched over to TV. That is so cool. Kind of, so you always kind of knew that you wanted to write. Did you have, when you were in college, did you take any like writing classes or was this something that you were kind of practicing on the side? I didn't, I honestly didn't have the confidence back then. It was something that I discovered later where I was like, I, I felt like I had all these things that I loved and that I wanted to do, but I didn't know what to do with it. You know, like I knew that I wanted to, I knew that I wanted to do these things. So each, like, I, I just sort of felt like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's sort of like, um, before I didn't have the confidence to say, to be able to even say, I want to write. Like I just knew, mm-hmm. I, you know, like, and sure. then later I was like, actually, you know, like I have, I feel like I have ideas and I want to express them. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I would kind of like come to points when I, these points where I would be like, actually, I want more, you know, like I want to do this. Like I want to learn how to do X, Y, Z. And so I was sort of pour, pour myself into that. Like, I mean, on bigger scales and smaller scales, like, like, I feel like with going towards story and writing, that was like a bigger decision, you know, like I had to move back home and all that. But like, even mm-hmm. later too, I was like, I, you know, like, I really want to learn how to draw on paper. Like, there's something about that that feels appealing mm-hmm. to me that I've never been able to do. So I just spent like a few months, like, just drawing in sketchbooks a lot. I'm very like, I think it's great that you recognize that you needed to go back home for a bit and um and just like reset and kind of figure things out because i think that that's probably really like hard for a lot of people when they come out to la and they're trying to find a job and they can't like and it's hard like it's it's really fucking hard yeah like and um it's nothing against the the person that's trying to uh get a gig it just doesn't always happen right away and i i'm i've had friends that this has happened to where they were like you know, they had to move back home just because they ran out of money or whatever. And like, there's no shame in that. Like nobody's gonna, and I know it probably always feels like a personal failure, but you know, hearing that you went through that is amazing because like, look how far you've come since then. And so it's like, it's not a failure. It's just a pause. You know, you you can always come back. They're not going to kick you out of the city. They're not like studios don't give a shit. (laughs) So it's just like, do what you got to do. Totally. Like, I I wish there was more emphasis on that. Like, I feel like Um, there is such a, like, um, I just, I think the way that we're all, a lot of us are are raised, especially like here in America, there's so much emphasis mm -hmm. on like, like a linear story for how you, you know, mm-hmm. how you achieve success. Yeah. Like first you yes. do this, then you do this, and then yep. you're supposed to get this at this stage when that's really not the case. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 yeah, like I, I think that um, there's a lot of value in taking time off to do stuff or in, you know, like doing what, whatever you need to do for your own growth or self care. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like that was definitely the case for me. Like there've been several times when I realized I, I just need to, you know, reset and, um, you know, focus on, on this area of my life or this area of my, my journey or, or like even, you know, like creatively, like I need to reset in order to, um, focus on this other thing that's, that I think would be more fulfilling. Right. Sure. Yeah. And like waiting sometimes, like, like for me, um, I, I didn't, there were different points when I had to make certain decisions. Like, uh, like I, I've never left a job and um, regretted mm. it. Like, I feel like every time I've made the decision to leave, it's always been the right one. 
Mm. Sure. Um, and there's nothing. Well, you know what you need. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's nothing wrong with necessarily wrong with the jobs that I left or it was just like where I was like at the time when I, I made the decision to leave DreamWorks too. Um, I was in, had been in feature for a while and I'd worked on, you know, some projects that um, were made, some that weren't. And at a certain point, like I was sort of, like, I, I wanted to go, th- like there was an opportunity to maybe go into TV and learn how that worked and to board and direct. And that felt like the right decision, even though, you know, like, you know, for some, some people were like, well, why don't you just stay? And, you know, like you, you can learn stuff here, <laughs> but um, yeah, like that was the, that was the right decision for me to go, to go there and, and do that. And then when I was in TV too, like there was a lot of times it was like, why don't you pitch, you know, like, and I, I sort of waited, mm-hmm. I wanted to, you know, like learn more about the pipeline and how, how it worked and how to supervise. So I, I decided to, you know, like, um, when I got the opportunity to be supervising director, like I, I really wanted to lean into that rather than, you know, pitch while I was still like, just, you know, when I was still a board artist, like, and I felt like that was, really helpful because I knew like what I was going to like, I I had the ideas that I had at the time were pretty like Centaur world's really ambitious. I've I've been sort of sitting on it for a while, but I decided not to pitch Mm -hmm. it until I felt like ready because I was like, there's all this other stuff that I need to learn. And I I feel like if I hadn't been a supervising director, I wouldn't have, you know, like had that it like, I I don't think it would have worked out. Oh, that's really great. Do you feel like um, yeah. being a supervising director? Well, it sounds like it gave you the confidence to pitch your idea, but also do you feel like it kind of helped you have like credits that made the people you pitched to kind of um, trust you more during the pitches? I think that, um, yeah, I think just having um, like the conversations I was able to have with, uh, with people that I was pitching to. Um, I think that we, we could talk about like stuff about like running a show as well, or like how, you know, like what I would like to, like how I'd like to run a show. And, and, and that was helpful. Right. I think just knowing that yeah. I'd previously had leadership experience and, and, um, uh, Chris and Ricky, who who were the creators of uh, Pinky Malinky, um, were really mm-hmm. like kind, uh, like as you know, as the show was um, was starting to wind down, like they would let me come to like mixes and retakes and some of the the p- parts of post that I wouldn't normally get to do as a supervising director as well. Just um, I think because they knew that I, I, you know, like I would want I was going to be pursuing other things afterwards, and and I was really grateful to them for like letting me sort of see how it all works. So yeah. yeah, like, like I felt like, yeah, yeah, that was really helpful because I, I mean, like I, I really wanted a thorough understanding of how the pipeline worked because I knew that the show that I wanted to pitch was going to be bonkers. And like, like it was going to, like, we would have to do things that were, um, we would have to, uh, do stuff, some stuff that had never been done before. And so like, I wanted mm. to have some familiarity with like what that would, you know, like what with like how you know all parts of running a show kind of uh can you say what that is oh like oh in terms of like what was new to like what yeah what what was the thing (laughs) i mean there was several things about about centaur world like i knew that i wanted it to be um like one arcing narrative so this was going to be like a serialized thing and also that i Mm -hmm. wanted like at least you know like potentially like three to five songs per episode and I wanted them to yep. all be narrative. And then the other Man, it's the, three to five. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And then the other the other parts were like 
like I, I the the whole um, the show is about you know like a character from one world, but who who winds up in another. But it it was essentially like a character from a different show that winds up in a di- you know like from one show that ends up in a different yeah. show, and so that meant visually we like we were going to have two styles of animation, which meant we were probably going to have to have to have two different animation studios with completely you know different mm-hmm. styles of working. Um, and that's what, for us, that ended up being, um, so we have Mercury Filmworks, um, who did like, you know, Hilda and the, the, the Mickey Mouse shorts, like doing, um, the stuff for Centaur World. And then, um, we had a Red Dog Culture House, um, like a lot of, a lot of those guys came from like Studio Mirror and had worked on like stuff like Avatar and Korra doing, um, the stuff from like Horses World. And so like, mm-hmm. and then, but we, I wanted these, these, um, the stories to kind of merge at different points, which meant that like, oh, Hey, Red Dog might have to animate some of the Centaur World characters and vice versa. Like, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like how would like from a, from a scheduling perspective, like what would that look like? You know, like in terms God, of, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah. So, so I had to, there's like a lot to consider. And I think if I hadn't had some of the experience like pre- prior, if I was going into this, like just having you know been an artist without any like you know any knowledge of the a production pipeline i think it would have been really tough like making those decisions would have been hard mm. yeah that's great that you like recognize that you needed to absorb that knowledge ahead of time because i think it just seems like a lot of crews end up you know having a lot of problems because the showrunners or the eps whoever just like don't have the experience and uh and so, i mean there's gonna be problems either way right let's be real there's yeah always there's gonna always be gonna be something but, but that's mm. yeah that's great that you recognize that i think it's important to I, I think people don't fully really understand just how terrible it is to be a showrunner <laughs> and like and like how how many aspects because it's like yeah it's fun it's your own show but as a job it's like it's brutal because you're you're overseeing a massive like you know yeah. House of Cards. Yeah. So it's good that you that you had that experience. There's also there's a lot of stuff about being a showrunner that's yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of challenges. And part of it like like one of the biggest ones honestly is just like learning when you go into it, you have to recognize that there's some things that I'm going to want to hold on to and really like, you know, be hands-on with, and there are other things that I'm going to I, that I know I'm going to have to let go of and really trust the people around me to kind of run with that yes and like that just the whole being able to let go part is um is i think is one one thing that a lot of people don't consider (laughs) going into it and that's that's just as important yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that's always a big thing i there's definitely there's definitely been stories of you know showrunners that can't delegate and can't let things go and it's like it's a it's a collaborative process right like it's you have to be able to let people in even if it's like quote unquote your baby yeah it's not it's not (laughs) once it's greenlit it's not you have you know 30 plus people that are that are working on it yes and uh picking picking the team is so important and for me like picking the production that like everyone who's on the production side was super important too we had an amazing uh team of uh coordinators and and uh managers and and production people like our Mm -hmm. line producer and everyone Mm -hmm. like like i they kind of like helped set the tone for like how we were going to run things and and uh lewis cuck who is my line producer um or, um mm-hmm. he was our producer and, and i'd worked with him and pinky before like at the very beginning i was asking him so many questions and one of the things he asked me was was um 
okay, so like, what are the things that are the highest priority for you? Like, what are the things that you can't let go of that you really want to be involved in? Like, just name, like, like come up with a few of these things where like, these are the one, these are the things I have to, I have to be in and then pick a bunch of stuff that you don't have to be in. Mm, that is so great. So that was, and that was like really important because, interesting. yeah, like, cause I, I really wanted to figure out like a healthy work-life balance on the show because I felt yeah. like for me, the music part was, was important where like, because I wanted it to be, um, um, because I wanted the, the music to be, uh, like integrated to the writing and I wanted mm. it to be narrative, like the, the songs to all be narrative. And there's mm. going to be a lot of it. Like I, I wanted to, um, write as many of the songs as I could. And I was really lucky mm. that I got, um, that I met, uh, Dominic Bisignano, who was my co-EP too. Cause he also, mm. you know, he came from stars, uh, star on the forces of evil. And he's also like a composer and he's done a lot of songwriting as well. So like mm. the two of us split up the songwriting and we were like in the writer's room with, with the story team, you know, like with the, with the, the writers and with the, our story editor, Megan McCarthy and, mm. and like, uh, our production team like our like our production manager and our, our producer like you know they really mapped our schedules around that so we were able to be you know in in all of those writing meetings um in the writer's room but also be in animatics and also be in like the areas that were like you know the most important to us mm. because i think if you're just spread so thin and all over the place you're just going to be like working around the clock and i wanted to there to be like a healthy work-life balance for um right. for myself and for you know for um like I, I feel like if the showrunner is working you know like is there until three in the morning then like the whole crew yeah. is gonna feel pressure to be you know like i feel like if the tone is yeah. set that way like it's gonna like i didn't want that mm. so um yeah. it all trickles down yeah it, it's yeah you want to create a good environment yeah i think that's great i think it's good that you recognize that what are the areas that you were um that you said you were okay kind of like letting go of design <laughs> like I, I um yeah like um my, my friend Kim Knoll was our art director and this was her first time art directing mm -hmm. but we talked extensively about like influences and uh, like I knew her and I trusted her and um and Evan Palmer was our, our uh you know our character lead and I trusted both yeah. of them and and they were really good about like just you know sitting with me and like downloading you know like what it was that I was trying to go for. I gave them my sketchbooks and all of that, you know, like we, we had a lot of discussions. Oh, oh wow. Um, That's great. Yeah, it was cool. Like, uh, yeah, like I, I, like a bunch of my, my sketchbooks were sitting on Evan's desk. Um, and, oh, so, and so like, I, I, I was, I was like, I'm not a, you know, like design isn't my main thing. Like I, I don't like, there's a lot of stuff about that, that like about color and all that, that, that I don't, that I don't have knowledge of. So I was really open to like letting can play with that you know like mm -hmm. like she would do these like the, the color scripts that she and some of the team would do for each episode was always like so much fun to just like go look at what she's created but I was happy to kind of like let her run with it it was it was cool because um with all the music stuff like we were we were talking about like hey it would be cool to get like stage lighting and and kinds of fun you know like we would send her links to stuff but like really kind of to let her run with that was was fun Oh, that is so cool. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. I was just going to ask if you were at the very beginning, you, you still kind of like attended kind of like all of the meetings just for like a couple times. And then when when like everything was like on the rail, like that's kind of when or you started just being like, all right, you guys are like good to go and I'm doing my thing now. <laughs> or was it just like 
from the beginning, kind of like they were already like kind of handling all the design? That's a great question. Um, I, I We went to some, I think we went to, um, I feel like we probably did go to some more reviews in the beginning, but I, I think, I think, I feel like for the most part, you know, like there were some meetings that we were, you know, like I, I feel like the production was great about like organizing stuff so that like they would do their first reviews first and then like we would get to kind of sit and do like a big review of everything to kind of go, you know, it was like, it was pretty efficient. Mm-hmm. And I think we we discussed stuff with production early on about like, hey, if there's anything like where we were just, they were really good about blocking out our time. Like even for stuff like, okay, like we need, we need some songwriting time. Like let's actually put it on the calendar. Even yeah. later, um, like we were still always calibrating with production about like how to schedule out our time. Like later on, um, we even started doing like coffee times with different art with, you know, like where we would, just because we oh, realized so like great. a lot of the design team was coming on like well, while we were in all of these like writers rooms meetings and then in you know in, in mm-hmm. pitches and animatics and like we weren't getting to spend time with the design team at all and so like right. you know th- it's like like some of the designers would have been there for like you know like a month and we haven't like actually gotten to like talk with them really so we started putting just like like coffee hangouts on the calendar because a lot of times like with, with everything that's when everything's so busy if it's not on the calendar it might not happen because like your day is booked yeah. out with meetings so mm-hmm. our, our production manager was awesome about like she, like she was like booking um like a couple times a week we would have like we would go to like the coffee commissary and like sit with like a different group of like, ah, yes like five or six people from the crew and just be able to like have an, like a couple hours with them just to kind of That's like great. talk and get to know them and like answer any questions about the show or about like career or anything. And that was really cool. But stuff like that, those, these are like all considerations that I would have never like thought of before actually getting in there with running a show. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah Cause it kind of like helps build like morale and like uh, team kind of like team building. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. it's every, there are like all these people who are coming in to work on this thing that you you know, like this, this thing for you. And it's like, so like, it, it sucks to not, you know, be able to spend time with, with them. So like, right. yeah, like it's, that's, that sort of thing is really important. And like, it's really easy, like, especially for those of us who are, who skew more introverted, which is a lot of us in animation, like it's easy yeah. for that to like, just, just be on the back burner or you don't even think about it. So, yeah, yeah. If, you don't, if you don't force it to a degree, yeah. nobody will yes. ever talk to each other. Yeah. Those like events are huge. I mean, that was something that was always in the beginning of uh, us working on the Loud House was nice because there there was a lot of there was a lot of, um, I guess, team building. Yeah. You know? But it was like, like we had we would have a annual like, let's all go to Disneyland day. And like, oh, that's awesome. Man, did we. Yeah, well, I don't know if they do that anymore, but but it was like it was great, and we, like that's when uh, I remember V and I first kind of connected too, is because we were like it was like end of the day, we were like tired, had a nice day, and then we started talking about our love of like obscure indie games. Mm-hmm. You remember that V? And yeah. then we were like, oh, have you played this game? Oh my god, yeah! And like nobody, everyone else just like kind of left us, and we were just like gushing about these like obscure. But the, like those connections are really important. I mean, here we are now making a podcast. Yeah. But it's like I think that it's great as a showrunner to recognize like I need to let this thing breathe and let people enjoy each other's company because it just makes the show better ultimately too. Yeah, for sure. Like if if people aren't if people aren't enjoying themselves, like that's while they're on the production that's that's like that's a big deal because yeah. <laughs> for me like uh, the things that i remember the most is like times with the crew 
you know, like on, on mm-hmm. from yeah. going from production to production. So that's like super important. Like, you know, mm-hmm. having like having a respectful environment and having people like feel happy and, and heard mm-hmm. is is like yeah. is a big thing. Yeah. You uh, you mentioned that you would give like sketchbooks to Evan and uh, and you were sharing influences. This is a great place to segue into. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear what those things are. Like what kind of stuff did you give the team as like, this is what I want to do? Oh man. Um, so we, we actually had it, like, I think there was a slide somewhere about like, like an influence map and it was crazy. Like it looked, it looked, <laughs> it doesn't look like if you're like, this is what the show is, it would make someone <laughs> oh like be like, okay, why? Like, I think it, there was like, um, the Muppets was probably at the center of it. There's like, so like Muppets, mm-hmm. you know, and then, um, all sorts of musical theater, you know, like every, <laughs> so musicals, um, and then like Game of Thrones, Breath of the Wild, the Flight of Jesus. the Concords, you know, and then um, okay, Never Ending Story, like it, okay, it was, um, Fringe, the show Fringe. Um, oh, oh, that's a okay. That's yeah, uh, it was, and there was there was oh, and then um, Oh Hello, like you know the uh, Oh Oh Hello on Broadway, which is on Netflix, but it was like a, mm. but oh, it's oh, okay. oh man, that's like one of my favorite things ever. I, I was like I discussed it with a lot of people, wow. but it's basically mm, uh, it. uh, okay. Nick Kroll and John Mulaney have these two old men characters that they play. Oh right, okay. And yeah, like they they made it into like after doing this like as a bit for years, they like made it into a Broadway production, and it's like mm. incredibly hard to describe. But it was like like I used to like watch it like every like like. I, like every night for like a few months just because oh, it made yeah? me laugh so much but like I really I really like stuff like that that kind of stuff that's like so specific and weird and like um that crosses genres and boundaries like I really like stuff like that that kind of um yeah things that, do, that feel like they shouldn't work but mm-hmm. do I don't know mm-hmm. What are uh, some of your favorite musicals? Oh man, um, I mean, I love a lot of musicals. Most things by by Stephen Sondheim. Les Misérables was a big was a big thing when I was mm-hmm. for me like growing up. Um, and then uh, there's, I mean, there's so much good stuff like in the you know in the past ten years too. Like a lot of stuff that's gotten a lot of you know that's become really popular, like like Hamilton and all that. A big influence was um, was Fun Home too, which uh, there like I, th- I think that was like a few years ago um they yeah they made a, a fun home musical based on uh Alison Bechtel's um you know autobiographical graphic novel which is which was um and it's really amazing it's it's again it's really difficult to describe there's like three timelines and um I, I saw I remember that that musical seeing that in person like I I haven't I've never like cried that much like watching oh, like wow. any piece of like any piece of storytelling or like, I, I mean, I've like, I've gotten emotional watching live theater and watching, sure. you know, different kinds of media. But, um, but that one was like, just like, you know, there's like, there, yeah, the, the songs and the, the emotionality of it. And there's like these really like amazing, like child singers too. It was, it was, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So that one was, was big too. Um, but yeah, like I, I love all sorts of, of musicals. Like, I, I don't know, like, I would get really nerdy with, with stuff like that, too. Just, um, like, I love, like, kind of de- deconstructing just, like, like, how do these vocals work together? Like, how does, you know, like, the harmonies, like, I used to, um, this is, like, really nerdy, but, like, sometimes I would, like, like, take, like, an end of act one, one of those big songs, like, One Day More or something from Les Miserables, and then I would just, like, try to figure, like, try to f- figure out all the parts, like, for the whole 
the whole ensemble mm-hmm. and try to like mm-hmm. reconstruct it in garage you know just wow. like just try to figure out the harmonies just like how does this work oh, like shit megan <laughs> it was yeah like sometimes like, i would yeah, i get really nerdy about stuff like that so no that's amazing I mean, your time in choir ended up coming in handy because then you you're you're playing a character in Centaur World mm-hmm. uh, and you're singing and that that trailer that uh, Netflix put out was was great. Oh, thank you. Did oh yeah. Did um how involved were you in the songwriting? Very um yeah so so basically um like the first what I did in development was I I um. I was writing this Bible and it was massive because like the story that I wanted to tell was big, but, um, also Mm -hmm. the other thing I knew was like, okay, if I'm going to, to really get this going, like I need to, like, I can't just tell someone I want to make a musical and I want there to be three to five songs per episode. Like I knew that I wanted to be like really involved in the writing and, or to write the songs. So, um, while I was in development working on the Bible, I, I was also working on like the first episode. So, uh, we wrote an outline and then um, myself and um, two other board artists, one was Jesse Wong and the other one was uh, David Ao. Um, we boarded it. And um, so I, I, and I wrote like the first four songs basically. And then, um, and that was, and then I had, so I had a, a board and then I, I had like just a really crappy, like piano backing tracks, like on my phone <laughs> basically. And so I would pitch yeah. it. So I pitched the board and, um, so like when I, I mean, like when I was pitching it to Netflix, so I p- basically pitched the board and um, would play the tr- backing tracks on, like when I would get to a song, I would just play like one of the backing tracks and just sing, you know, like sing all the parts and all that. And um, and then I would also do this, like when I was like meeting with people, when we were trying to start staffing up too, I would just pitch them the whole episode, like with, and sing it. So I pitched that thing, like probably like a hundred, like over a hundred times, like I would pitch it to writers. Holy I'd pitch shit. It to, like, cause that was... Cause I know like sometimes like when I've been in interviews where I come in, like, you know, I'd, I'd go in somewhere and someone would like kind of like play press play on an animatic. It was always kind of awkward. Like they, yeah. you know, like they've seen it a million times. They're bored with it. I'm like awkwardly mm-hmm. laughing, you know, like even if it's like really good, I'm like awkwardly laughing in a quiet room, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. So I was like, well, like, I'm just going to like, instead of playing, I'm just going to pitch them the episode. <laughs> so I like, I, like I pitched it like a million times, um, just to different people. That's interesting. Yeah, I keep I keep seeing Twitter people mention this like legendary pitch that uh, that you had, and I assume it was it must have been like a presentation to a lot of the producers there, right? Was there one in particular that that happened? Um, there was. We used to have these like I mean in the time before COVID, but also like when when Netflix right. was a lot smaller, um, we would do these like like creative leadership meetings, and so like sometimes um, like early oh. on because it was still only like, you know, 30, 40 people, we would bring what we were working on. So, um, you know, like, so that room had people like Elizabeth, Elizabeth Eder was there. Craig McCracken was there. Mm-hmm. Christine, Jorge. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. So it was everyone who was like making stuff. And, and so we would present as we were getting closer to like, you know, launching production. And so like, I, I pitched, I pitched that like the first episode to um, the group there once but i yeah like i pitched it a bunch of times like yeah sounds like it was a lot was more a lot. than just that yeah one. i pitched i would it was a lot a lot of times like but it was really great like just to pitch it to anyone who like if we wanted just someone to you know like we were interested in someone coming on board or, or whatever like it was like a great way to get the conversation started because the show is so hard to describe but if you pitch the f- first episode it's like then they understand what it is 
And like, mm-hmm. it's either like, okay, wow, I'm super not into musicals. Like, I don't think I'd be the right fit for this show. Or like, they'd be like, I'm super into this. This is what, you know, like I can totally, it, like then they would start bringing you like, like their ideas or like how they, you know, like what they would want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like a great way, like a great conversation starter. Um, do you feel like there's been a lot more like musical love in animation? Cause I'm seeing more and more as the years go on. I mean, I feel like, I feel like there always has been, but there's, I mean, sure. like, yeah, like I feel like I see more and more of it. Like, I feel like it's, it's, um, I mean, cause yeah, like so many of us grew up with like those Disney musicals, Yeah, you know? And I mean, that's what it is, right? Cause it, it was confined to the Disney features. I mean, there was like Don Bluth and stuff, but like it was confined to feature uh, animated movies and maybe, maybe it's more so that we're seeing it break out into TV and yeah. um, and other kind of things, even just like online stuff. It's like oh super gosh. impressive what people are. Yeah, like the Ratatouille musical thing that was happening on. Oh just my god, TikTok. the Ratatouille! Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> it's it's pretty. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, like it's 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 really awesome, and I, I feel like a lot of people who just you know like work in like um like who who are like working in animation or, or to do the visual, you know, like work in visual arts also are musically inclined. I think that's just natural. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem to be an overlap. I, it's like creative people end up doing more than just one thing. It, yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's like a um, lot of people end up doing music too. Yeah. Whereas that's something that you were kind of looking for when you were hiring a team was just like at yes. least an appreciation of musicals. Okay. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Like at least an appreciation for it. Cause otherwise like, you know, if it was someone who's like really not into it, then they were going to be really unhappy working <laughs> well, on the yeah. show. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be miserable. Yeah. Um, and, and somebody's just like, I hate musicals. What the fuck is this show? Why am I on the show? <laughs> yeah. Like that's not, that's not going to be the show for you. Um, but um yeah, so like I think when I met Dominic too, like it was we we talked about musicals a lot and about about Dominic who? Oh, uh, Dominic Bizignano, who was my um co EP. Okay. So he so basically between the right. two of us, like we we wrote all the we wrote all the music. Like the first like because I I wrote the the music for episode one, and then when he came on board, um we already had like the outline for episode two. So I, the first thing we did was like, hey, let's like let's um let's do this like really awkward musical trust fall. Like why don't we co-write the first few songs oh. for this episode? And so we had like, I had like a really shitty guitar, um, in the, in the office. Um, and like he was, you know, he plays guitar like much better than I do. So he, you know, like I had a keyboard and this guitar and then we were just, we, um, like I wrote the first, like the first verse and then it was going to be a duet. And I said like, you want to write the second part and then we'll like weave this together. And, um, yeah, we did it. We wrote like a, we wrote like two songs for the second episode together. And then, um, and then after that, like after getting that out of the way, then I was, we were able to kind of figure out the tone and sort of be like, okay, you grab this one, I'll grab that one. Like, you know, like we could kind of divide and conquer because we had, um, mm-hmm. we, we had basically mapped out the story on like these big bulletin boards and like we put little post-its on like under each episode for like, these are the, sto- these are the songs that are going to be, I mean, these are the story beats that are going to be songs. So we had like this big list. And so as we would move forward, like with the, um, with, you know, the outlines with the writing team, we would just like, whoever was free would grab one. And then we were Mm, like, we were um, doing the demos like in 
our offices and like we there were like these whisper pods at netflix so sometimes dominic would be yeah. in one of these like completely glass clear whisper pods recording vocals and then i'd be in a bathroom or something like our, our like we had a a bathroom attached okay. to our writer's room it was a really weird space that we were in at first and so sometimes i'd be in like this bathroom recording like demo vocals and he'd be in like a whisper pod with like like a synth it was it was like wild but um we were so we were recording these demos and then um we we got a composer named toby chu who who worked at he did like He's he's in a lot, but he's um in animation anyway. He's probably best known for doing like the the score for um the Pixar short Bow, and he's he was oh. amazing. And like so, he would take these demos that we would give us, and then he would fully produce them. Like he would add all the instrumentation, and he was like he's super story driven and creative too. So like 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 I remember like there was one episode that took place in like a forest setting, and so he and his and his assistant were like going to Home Depot and getting like logs to chop wood to make as the percussion and making like oh, shakers great. out of bags of leaves so and fun. stuff. And so like the music was so fun to write. And then like when we would like give our like sometimes the demos that we would give to our composer to were like kind of like kind of shitty, like in terms of production quality, like because we were rushing, you know, like sure, so sometimes yeah. I'd be like, OK, like the, the vocals are going to be like you're going to hear some weird echoes because it was in a bathroom. And like, you know, like I just only had time to put piano in this. But like we had such a like a good relationship with with our composer that he would kind of like we would just talk about the instrumentation we were thinking about and the, the story behind it. And he would just come back with these like really amazing, fleshed out, fully produced songs. And he would just he would just put our demo vocals on top. And then this is what we were giving the actors. We would have, you know, lead sheets made and, and all that. And um, yeah, but we ended up with, um, so in, in on July uh, 30th, uh, the, we have 10 episodes coming out and we ended up with like 37 songs, I think. Wow. Um, and it was just 37. breakneck speed. <laughs> I'm just having to do this. I don't know how. Like, I just, yeah, I don't I mean, know how I was like thinking you did it. The only, like, the reason why, like, you were able to pull that off is because you and your co-EP are like, you can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, do it all. The biggest thing I think is um, that worked for us was we're both, I think as, as he would call it tinkerers or we both like, we like mm. making things like, mm. like for me, for me, for example, like the, the pitch that we're talking about, like, I'm, I'm not a great, the, I'm not like great at public speaking. I can't like command a room in that way. But like the, so like for me, when I was thinking about how to sell the show or how to pitch it, it's like, I, I have to make something and then present that. Like, that's how I do stuff. And, and right. um, that's also like, um, Dominic also skews more like introverted and also is like he likes to make stuff so I think having that common language really helped for mm. us and um, yeah so it was just sort of like a like oh like this thing needs to happen like let's just make it you know like that and that sort of um, yeah that was like a really like like having the like having that understanding of how to communicate and how mm. to do things like that was really helpful yeah, and I think exec executives respond to that really well too, because it's just like your passion comes through, and and you know your talents and everything. So that's just that's just a good approach to take. I think that's something that's good to keep in mind for anybody that's pitching. Is it's just like don't like try not to just have definitely don't just have words. I know it's hard for writers because writers can only really have words. But it, like if you're an artist, like wield it like a sword like you have to have as much of yourself in the work and like you have to really razzle dazzle the execs when you're pitching because that's what they want to see they look at the they look at like 
10 pitches a day sometimes, you know? So it's like, you yeah. gotta stand out somehow. I think it's, it's tough for them too. I think like lean into the thing that you like and the thing that you're good at, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like if I tried to be like a different person, then I wouldn't like, yeah, I just wouldn't yeah. feel natural or like, I can't force myself. Like, I don't have to make the pitch the way that someone else does it because that's not going to go well for me. Um, and I think that's, yeah, like finding, finding the best, your best way of putting yourself out there is, is important. Mm -hmm. how, what did your pitch look like kind of to the exact specifically when you were like pitching the show? What was kind of like, um, how did you go about that? like at honestly I mean like I was super lucky um to get in and to develop like I I did I just had like um it was timing it was the it was like they were um looking to like the, the studio didn't exist in a physical sense mm. or at all like it was and so they were looking to just like you know like bring in some really early days stuff and I had this project so I just had a few drawings at the time and I was like look, I, I want to make this musical, but, um, there were some drawings I had of, of the character Wink, who's that, the pink alpaca centaur that I, mm -hmm. I showed to Jenna Boyd at Netflix. And she was like really into it. So, so they took a chance in me and bringing me in, bringing me in. So I got to develop there. And then the first thing I did was, was, um, write the theme song and storyboard that just so I had something mm -hmm. to show them that like, right. okay, like here's some music and here's what it, what's going to look like. And, um, that, that didn't really change very much. Like that, this, the, the first song that came out and and all that like that's that's what i wrote like at the very beginning and then wow. uh, and then i built the rest of the you know the bible and all that and then like you know like half mm -hmm. a year later I, I pitched it to um i pitched it to the the team and then um to like the rest of like uh the departments at netflix and then we kind of moved forward from there that's awesome do you yeah. feel like it was almost like did you almost have the pilot um in in an animatic form or was it just like a board that you were pitching it, the board was the first episode yeah it was like right. and it didn't change all that much because mm. it was um it was really just like establishing like everything and establishing the characters and everything and it didn't change fortunately it didn't it didn't didn't change too much but there was a lot of like at that beginning stage like just doing writing that first board and doing it you know like writing all those songs right. there was a lot of it was a lot to figure out that was like like and also writing all this lore and the and the bible at the same time was it was a lot that was i think yeah <laughs> working in that kind of vacuum where it's like you're mostly by yourself was tough <laughs> so yeah i would and that's part of why i would pitch it to people too is just to get like because you're in this vacuum and like you want feedback and you want you know yeah, like does yeah, this make yeah. sense you know like 100%. so yeah uh we had a couple questions that were uh pretty good cool and i would love to ask you yes kind of tying into what we were just talking about from at its narrative i'd love to hear about the day-to-day -day realities of preparing to pitch the show and then running it basically what inside info do you think would be useful to share for people who want to do something similar so like what in like in what insider info would i have to offer i guess i think the question is like if somebody let's let's say like this it's like if you were uh if you had to do this again mm-hmm uh, what knowledge would you want to have going into it, would, including like preparing the pitch? Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't know that I would have done it all that differently. I think I would just, I think I would just tell myself to just remind myself that I have to do it the way that I, the way that I know how to, there's, there's that balance of like following your gut, you know, and like listening mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. what other people are telling you. And um, I think at the end of the day, if you're trying to sell something that is very purely you, you have to, you have to make sure that you have the space 
and room to do it in the way that is most appropriate for you. So yeah, like I don't think I would have, in terms of preparing the pitch, like I think I would have done it more or less the same way. Like, okay, like I need to, you know, like I need to make the thing to prove it out. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would just, I would just advocate for that. Like instead of getting kind of pushed into, you know, like presenting it a certain way, I would just definitely like stick to like, like I need to present it in this specific way. And I I wouldn't, you know, like, um, I, I don't think I would deviate from that. Like, like I would, I would want to still make it the same way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that makes any sense, but just sort of like, <laughs> like I, I, yeah, like I, I know for, for, um, I feel like a lot of times you feel pressure to pitch it the way that other people do. Oh, with the like pitch yeah. Bible. And the, like, yeah. The, like... And, and, you know, like, I do think that it is hard. Um, I, I know that I was lucky. I don't know that I would ever get another shot like this to kind of go in and develop off of just some drawings, you know, and an idea. Like, I think sure. that that was a luxury that I had. Um, so I think next time going into something, I would, I would just want to like make the time for myself to like have more to show mm-hmm. up front because I, I don't think that that's common. Right. So I think, I think I would, I guess if I was to recommend something to people, like, yeah, like I would recommend just, just, yeah, just make, make as much of it as you can, like, I guess make, or make as much it's cause it's, it's hard to, it's so abstract when you're just talking about what you want to do. Yeah. And like, for me, like I was, again, I was doing something so specific. Like I think if I were to tell anyone else, so I want to do a musical yada, yada, like the, you know, like, and just, and just tell them that without showing them the music, without showing them the visuals and what I'm going for. Like that would be a really hard sell. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like I was saying earlier, it's like you want to present as much information as you can. Yes. It's like anything that makes the show special you want to highlight that um, yeah and really like flesh it out because a lot of executives they don't like and not even just executives really like anybody that is going to be ha- having to work on the show it's like they're not going to know what you have in your head so the more yep. you can kind of put on paper or at least in front of people the better mm. yeah we actually skimmed over the whole uh bruce saga <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't even talked about yeah, right. how you used to do web comics and uh, I would love to hear about that because we have a question from a uh, friend of the show at Casey Williams. Oh. Uh, I know you've had a few books of your art published. How did that happen? Were you approached or did you pitch your idea to a publisher? But uh, first, uh, talk about that a little bit because you just started doing shark comics for some reason. <laughs> and I would love to know uh, why did that come about? Because that's how I found out about you to begin with. I was like, it was on the early days of like Instagram and I, and like your comics are so funny. They have so much life and oh, charm. thank you. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, I don't know. It's like this, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people in animation kind of like, uh, kind of like found out about you also through these comics. And then like seeing you going from the comics to like a big musical, like ambitious show. It's like, kind of like yes <laughs> oh like, thank thank you um yeah the comics thing that was um I, basically that started I was at I was at DreamWorks and um at the time there was you know like there was a lot of stuff that was in flux um with features sometimes um you'll it's a really different process than in tv and sometimes you'll work on something for a long time that doesn't ever see the light of day and um, just because, you know, like there's so much time and money that goes into it. That's like a lot of times projects are canceled or, you know, like they go back into rewrites mm-hmm. or it'll be like, we're going to go with a different director. And that means the whole team is going to mm-hmm. be moved on to another, another production. So there are all these versions of different movies that just kind of like never are fully realized. And um, I worked on How to Train Your Dragon 2 
first. And that was a, like a really amazing experience. I learned a lot from, from my coworkers and from the team. And then, um, I worked on like a series of movies that, um, just sort of for one reason or another, like didn't end up happening. Like I actually worked on an early version of Crudes 2 with like a completely different team. And, um, and then they ended up putting that back in like, you know, into development. And then it was like a different team did a, a completely different version of the movie. Um, later like much later so so it's it's just like one of those things so i was i was like on a few things that didn't end up happening and um during all that too like i you know like i was you kind of get cast in feature too like a lot of times you might be like and i was i wasn't cast as like the funny person either like a lot of times it was doing more like more cinematic stuff or some of the more emotional scenes or whatnot and um i um i mean i love comedy so much and i wanted to really work on like writing and just writing gags and so I just started making little comics and doodles and just kind of putting them online just on tumblr and instagram just kind of just for the heck of it but also just because I, I like you know like I was working on like um some of these sequences that were more serious and and um a lot of times the movies would get on would be put on pause and all that so I just like needed an outlet and I also like right, really wanted yeah. to like just work on just writing gags like for myself gags that weren't for like you know going to be put through focus testing or you know like that were just purely me and mm -hmm. so it was kind of like an exercise in like comedy writing and also just like doing drawings that were really different I was also like um because we're you know we spend so many hours like drawing on Cintiqs too like I really just wanted to go analog so I was drawing all these things in sketchbooks and I just started filling sketchbooks with drawings of of uh, my cat at the time or um you know, like just different things. And then um, as a joke, I just, uh, one time I just started doing these drawings of like, it would, the, where the premise was sort of like, what if the shark from, from Jaws wasn't an animatronic? What if he was like an actual mm -hmm. actor and he hasn't really had like solid work since <laughs> Jaws came out? So that was how <laughs> that sort of started. Like, what if he, cause you know, like we- I didn't know that. that I didn't know that was the origin. Yeah, like, so the first comics I did of him were like that, were just like, in, we're, we're around, you know, like post Jaws fame, I guess. And then That's kind of funny. like the drop off from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then him like, you know, maybe like what if he had to put on like, you know, like the mocap suit and be in a Sharknado movie or what, you know, like. Yeah. And then it kind of evolved into just like l lightly making fun of sort of like the some of the um, L.A. types, I guess, like in a in like a love, mm -hmm. like a loving ribbing of of that kind of thing. And then it just sort of turned into like just comics that were like, I, you know, like. Like he became kind of a, a way to just express like like some, some like anxiety and, and um, some of like like the shittier feelings that that I think like a lot of us have but don't mm. like aren't there on the surface so yeah like I, I like and then I just started just making a lot of doing a lot of drawings of him and doing more comics of him so he sort of he sort of went through an evolution but it was um but it was just like a like I just enjoyed drawing him so <laughs> yeah. is is he like a character you would ever want to pitch I don't know because I mean it was I don't I don't know I don't know how that would work I, I'm not entirely <laughs> <right>. <laughs> But that's where that a, came uh, from. A workplace, <laughs> workplace comedy drama. Yeah. <laughs> and what about the book publishing? Were you self-publishing or did you? Um... Yeah, I was self-publishing first. Like I would do small, like, you know, I would go to, I would go to shows. Like I, I went to, um, like, uh, I was lucky to go to like, like TCAF, the Toronto Comic Arts Festival and some other places. Um, and I would 
sell, you know, like sell zines and books there. And then, um, and I also started with, you know, as posting the comics on like a lot of the comics online. And then, um, I was really lucky to be uh, approached by Andrews McMeal. Like, mm-hmm. like I made a lot of, you know, like different friends on online with like the web comics community is really, is really lovely. And, and, um, like, I think a lot of the, you know, like a lot of those comics are like, I love the format just because they're so there's, they're these bite-sized comics, but they're so like smart. A lot of the times they're, you know, like they, they hit at so many things. And I feel like, mm-hmm. um, like I related to a lot of the, the content that was out there and I, I became like, uh, acquainted with, with some of those creators online. And then, um, yeah, I was approached by, uh, Andrews McMeal to, to, published a book through them and um yeah so that's kind of how that happened I just kept making stuff and putting it online and then eventually I got a book deal <laughs> um which was yeah like which was really cool and like also I was also like you know like direct like it was supervising director at the time so it was like really cool and really stressful at the same time because I like had like a really busy job and then was also like like I'd stupidly done all these comics on in sketchbooks, right? Like they're all on paper. So I had to like scan all of them and like clean up the, you know, like, like clean up the lettering or, you know, like make sure that these were going to print properly. So it was was like, yeah. Um, and then, and then also, you know, make some, some content that was specific for the book too. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes something new, something special. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it was it was also like it's it's um like Amender Dollywall is like one of my good friends and she's also it's also been like great to see her, you know like her transition from I mean like her doing books as well like going mm-hmm. from animation to to comics and publishing and all that as well. Yeah, she's so awesome too. Like, yes, her comics are so smart, like so good. <laughs> yeah, we and she was she was one of our writers on Central World actually. Like we we hired her just to do to write scripts. So oh yeah. Yeah, like it was really great to work with her. She's like really great in her room, just you know, pitching ideas and stuff. And like it was was really really great having her there. That is so cool. How uh, how do you usually deal with creative block when it hits you, and what does it <laughs> kind of feel like for you? Yeah, uh, I <laughs> I definitely get creative block, and um, historically anyway, like I would um, just push right through it. Like sometimes I would just mm-hmm. um, like I would honestly. I would, there would be times when I'm like, okay, like I'm feeling very stuck right now. So I'm just gonna, you know, like have a weekend of like, just trying to make something work, you know, (laughs) like, like where I'm like, like I would tell myself and then I would tell the people around me, like, it's going to be like, this is going to, it's going to be like shitty, you know, (laughs) like I'm going to be like in a place where I'm going to be frustrated and just sort of like, you know, like not like I would tell myself, I'm, you're not going to feel good for a little bit, but you're, you, but you've been through, you've been here before and it's going to be fine. Like we just like for me, I would just like sort of push through. Like I would have to like again, like I, I'm like I make things, so like I would sometimes like if I felt like I was not able to produce or do something for a while or I was getting stuck, like I would be like I am gonna have to I'm gonna spend a weekend and at the end of the weekend we're gonna have a comic, we're gonna have something, you know, like it it's not gonna happen right away, but <laughs> yeah, like I used to be like that, like um. Like I try, like, I think when I was trying to figure out how to do sketchbooks, like, or how to, how to not be so afraid of a sketchbook, because I was for many years, like, I I was like, I'm going to fill one of these in a month. Like I, you know, so I just like kind of immersed myself in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm at the point now where I don't really, I don't feel like that was 
I think there's value in that. Like I got, I, like I learned to, like to have a lot of grit from that kind of mentality, but I'm also like more about life balance now. And um, sure. I, I think I've come to the place where I'm like, I always want to approach stuff in a way that's smarter rather than like, you know, just like making myself miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for stuff like, like I've, I've come to recognize like stuff about like how I, like uh, when I, if I have like a blank page, um, I, I have that same anxiety that people have where it's like, I don't know what to draw, but I do know, like, mm-hmm. if I have a clear, if I know where I'm, if someone tells me what to draw or I know what I'm doing, like it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more quicker. I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot quicker for me, I guess. Like mm-hmm. I'm able to do that. Um, like I won't think overthink it as much. So when it comes to comics or other stuff, like I, I, a lot of times, like I'll keep, um, like and I think a lot of other like web comic artists do this too, where they just, you keep a, like a notes list on your phone, phone of like, like the seeds of ideas or like, yep. you know, like I'll, I think I have like, like a, there's a folder, like I have in like Evernote called like comic zygotes or something, you know, like where I just like, <laughs> where they're like little words or like little ideas. And then I have another doc where that's like actual, like, okay, here's some like dialogue prompts or these are more fleshed out ideas. So I have a mm-hmm. backlog of stuff I can go to if I'm stuck, you know, like where I'm like, oh yeah, this is an idea. I was like, th- I had marinating back there. Like I can probably like mm-hmm. use this to jumpstart something or I won't. So I'm not spending like a day fretting. Like I- I'm trying to like, I-, I kind of try to make things efficient for me, I guess. That makes sense. Yeah, that's really smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's only yeah, so much time the in the day. I've... So. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. Over the years, I've realized that like I'll when I have ideas, it's great, and I need to write them down. Like yeah, it's for like sure. I, I need to if, if something pops in my head, I will not remember it. Yes. And so I need to write it down, and then later when I am drawing a blank, yeah, it's like you said, like you can just go back and be like, oh yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like that thing I wrote it's down so three useful. years ago. <laughs> And then yeah. the other thing for me, it's like having other hobbies or other things to kind of sometimes nerd out on helps Definitely. too. So, you know, like music or like getting into some, like I got into like roasting coffee for a little while too. Like I got oh, yeah. into that, like we're, you know, like with a, like a popcorn popper, <laughs> like yeah, pouring yeah. beans online and stuff. Like I think I feel That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, like I like I think having other hobbies or interests helps, you know. Like uh, like recently, I was like learning more about like how to like propagate house plants and stuff like that. You know, like like those Whoa. things are kind of. I feel like like if you can have like learn other things and like mm-hmm. have something to like, especially things where there's like a tactile element to it. Like if you make things or if you you know like where you have you can see, see growth of some sort. Like I feel like that's healthy and it's helpful to the creative process as well yeah definitely yeah i think we get stuck like staring in front of a screen and like none of it really exists and yeah uh, it's easy to lose like all motivation <laughs> and and just like because it doesn't feel like you're making anything sometimes and yeah. so yeah i had a i had a tea moment over quarantine where i was really i got really into loose leaf tea. oh yes and, like, yeah it's it's very therapeutic yeah um like especially for those of us who do sto- you know like storyboards you're just throwing away drawings right like it's just God, yeah. like it's a lot yeah so it's it's sometimes it feels like you're spinning wheels and it, it's hard to feel like oh i mean you know like it's it's nice to kind of reset elsewhere mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. for that reason yeah what are some of your uh goals for your future for your career i <laughs> 
like I, I, um, I used to be big on like, okay, these long-term goals, you know, like these are the long-term goals, but I found that a lot of those changed, you know, as you, as you keep going and they change. So I'm, I'm trying to be more flexible about that too. Like I, uh, yeah, but I like having done all this music now, like I would love to do more, you know, like I would love to do like, eventually it would be amazing to do something that's actually like for like this, for like, like a stage production of some sort. Oh, like, I don't know in what capacity, cool. but like that, that would be amazing. But I, I would love to do more like songwriting for, um, like, I would love to make it like another musical of some sort, like, but something mm-hmm. for the stage would be amazing. Um, I, I worked, I mean, like, I would love to go back to feature, um, to features and, you know, like directing a movie at some point would be awesome. But, um, but I don't know, like, I, I, I'm so into like you know like crossing genres and things like i just want to whatever it is like i want to just do something interesting like mm-hmm. like i feel like at each like each job that i've done or each place that i've gone to or, or like like i I've, I've always loved learning new things and trying new things so I, like yeah i don't I actually don't know i don't have a, like a solid answer of like this is exactly what i want to do yeah that's fine <laughs> but, yeah you're leaving it open i think that's great i think it's good to uh just kind of see what what uh life gives you yeah. especially now that like you have this you're gonna have this amazing show in your back pocket that you produce keep an open mind right yeah well we had one uh question one more question from at adam t Katz. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yes hey megan <laughs> important question how essential is wearing denim when creating compelling stories uh, <laughs> um hi adam um <laughs> denim denim is great i think <laughs> denim de- denim is very essential yes adam and uh <laughs> adam was one of our awesome pas and uh he and mm-hmm. uh brian collie who uh, they would do like they would wear like denim they would have denim days where they would wear like a mm-hmm. denim jacket and um denim and blue jeans is <laughs> 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 it is it the canadian, the canadian tuxedo. tuxedo yeah or i heard yeah. texas tuxedo as well I, <laughs> mm, yeah. I like Texas tuxedo because it's like an alteration. <laughs> yeah, and, and they, oh yeah, yeah. So so Adam, uh, to answer the question, <laughs> very important. <laughs> as are Blazer Thursdays. Very Blazer Thursdays were another Ooh, thing Blazer that they Thursdays. did. <laughs> I used to try to do tie day Friday uh, at Nick. Oh really? And like. I think like a few people caught on, but I realize a lot of people don't like wearing ties. So it's like, a it's lot not of something people you're going to, I mean, it's people. really about like a lot of people don't really know how to tie them. Yeah. Well, that's another, that's one of those tactile it's, things, you know, it's like, you got to learn how to yeah, do it. Yeah. It's an art form. It's like another, it's a, it's a whole thing. It is. Yeah. I go for the double knot, which is a, it's like, you have to have like 11 fingers. To right. Do it. right. Um, <laughs> It's insane. I also don't actually, I'll, I'll tie it once and then uh, not ever tie it again. So right. I think some of the ties I have that are just hanging, they've been tied for like six years. I just don't nice. fucking bother. <laughs> it's not, it's not mm-hmm. worth it. So uh, what do you want to plug? You want to plug your show? You want to plug your book? Go for it. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I just, I want to plug the show. Um, I hope people watch Centaur World. Um we had like such an amazing cast and crew. Um, it was like, it was just a really special production. And um, like, I just hope people feel how much love went into it and how much love the crew had for each other. And it was just sort of an overall, like yeah. a really like joyful experience and joyful expression. Mm-hmm. I think um, 
like the board pitches were all like everything from like the you know the writer's room to the board pitches to like all the records um like i just hope it tra- i hope it translates and that it, it's something you know like i hope people give the show a chance i know that there's like like a lot like on the surface it feels like there's a lot going on but um we really tried to go for you know to make a a story that was based on friendships and and like that has like a really emotional story at the heart of it and and characters that hopefully feel real and like also mm. some some ideas that aren't you know are like heavier too um because we don't want it to talk down to kids we want we want this to be like a right. show for for everybody like you know like so there's there's some heavier stuff in there too, and and themes like trauma, and and um, we didn't shy mm-hmm. away from that, and characters that are super flawed, um, in addition to being like you know silly, but um, but yeah, like we just it's it's like yeah, there's like a lot of like really stupid jokes in there, and like you know like we just but also like you know really some heavier themes and and like a lot of music that we had a lot of fun writing, and and the, the actors were so amazing at performing and. Yeah, like I, I don't know. Um, I don't know that I'll ever be able to make something like this again, and I, I hope that people enjoy it as much as we enjoyed making it. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah, I can't yeah wait. everything that I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, I can't wait. Oh, it's it is out now. It it came out uh, as of uh, us posting this. So go to Netflix, check it out, watch it all. It's gonna be very good. I'm sure. I'm excited to to watch it. All the stuff that Netflix is putting out is is amazing. Like. It's great that yeah. they put so much faith in this like batch of creators to just go wild uh, with all their influences. It's you're you're living up to that Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. that Little Mermaid uh, dream. Uh, Everything <laughs> you're describing, it's like it's it's got the you know it's for kids, but it's like there's got some it's got some loaded shit in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have some you know some scarier moments and some I, I don't know like like I. I mean, I love Muppets and puppets and all that stuff. And like a lot of those movies from like the the late 80s were really trippy, you know, like they were really scary, but they still had, you know, these like fun characters in them too, like, like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal and all that. And the never ending story, you know, like there's a, there's, yeah, like I, I I love stuff like that, that has some darker elements. Um, Like I know, I know uh, my co-EP like loved The Secret of Nim too. Like there's a lot, I don't know, like Mm -hmm. I I think uh, I like, I like those elements being in animation as well. Yeah, our generation grew up with some real fucked up shit, and oh God, I feel yeah. <laughs> like it's like it's like been kind of, um, what's the word? What's the what's the nice way of saying it? It's been like pared down over the years because you know I feel like studios are more and more afraid of just like making weird stuff, and so right. it's it's great that people are able to still push through with an element of that like darkness and in, in uh, entertainment and kids entertainment. Yeah, um, there's a so there's important. a lot of emphasis on on positivity. I feel nowadays, um, yeah, which which is like great, but also like, I mean, kids want to be challenged as well, and kids yeah. kids go through. I mean, like, yeah, kids are from all yeah. sorts of backgrounds and have to go through all sorts mm-hmm. of like terrible things too. And it's important for them to, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, yeah, like it's it's. I think it's important for them to see other characters going through similarly terrible things sometimes mm-hmm. well it builds empathy yeah. right like it builds it builds empathy and i think it also helps kids explore those emotions so they're not like weird repressed little weirdos you know like yeah it, it's it's good i feel like growing up with some some of the stuff that i watch some of the more quote-unquote dark content it 
let me explore those things earlier on so that when I went into adulthood, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, right, I, right. I, I kind of know this feeling. I know this emotion. And, um, man, yeah, if you're just, like, always protecting kids from anything bad that could happen or any, like, bad emotion, <laughs> what's that going to do to them? Like, I don't know. So, so kudos to you for pushing for that. I think that's great. Thank you. Uh, well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Megan for being our guest and sharing her story. And thanks for your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask your guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clements for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.